This is the Blaze Radio On Demand. Prepare yourself to ingest current events, pop culture, and politics with a side of Latin flair. Vaches. I don't have to show you any stinking vaches. This is the Chris Salcedo Show on the Blaze Radio Network. Well, some breaking news we'll get to here in a minute on the Chris Salcedo Show regarding the GOP health bill. That's all coming up after I let you know, hey, you've tuned in to the Chris Salcedo Show. Glad you've tuned in. 888-900-3393. Everybody that's hearing my voice right now is affected by the debates happening on Capitol Hill right now. The bad news is, is that the majority of Republicans and nearly every Democrat are trying to vote for a system that's going to ultimately screw you. And, and and will ultimately benefit their cronies in the insurance industry. So that's that's the bad news. The good news is, if you want to look at this purely politically, is that Republicans are failing as, as much as they're desperately trying to. They're trying to get their fingerprints all over failed health care. We'll get into all of that coming up. Of course, still, you're getting it screwed, but it's just... I'm going to try to help you navigate around this to maybe better your life. 888-900-3393, that's the phone number. Social media, on Twitter, at Chris Salcedo TX, at C-H-R-I-S-S-A-L-C-E-D-O-T-X, as in Texas. On Facebook, The Chris Salcedo Show, and on the Blaze.com, the channel section. Blaze.com, channels section. Find The Chris Salcedo Show there. Catching the show live, the Blaze.com slash radio, Blaze Radio smartphone app the iHeartRadio app, and for on-demand listening, SoundCloud, iTunes, and Stitcher, it's conservative programming at your fingertips, on your schedule, at your leisure. If you want a a one-stop shop for everything, just go to chrissalcedo.com. Let me be plain about what we're talking about here. The Republican effort in the House, in the Senate, is to ensure that the traitorous insurance companies get paid off. They want the insurance companies to get paid off because they've already had a massive transfer of wealth in the beginning part of Obamacare. In the, you remember, everything was front-loaded for the first four years. So the insurance companies got all kinds of, all, all kinds of coin. And then when uh, it, the time came to pay up, with all of the unreasonable and unmarket-based requirements from Obamacare, then all of a sudden they started taking it in the shorts. So they started bailing out of the Obamacare exchanges. And that's where we are today. And so many of these individuals uh, who populate the traitorous insurance companies' ranks are now very concerned about what the Republicans are going to do. Will they still be able to get and extort massive amounts of money from the American population. So now they're digging deep into all the money they've been gifted from Obamacare, and now they're throwing it toward Republicans. Hey, make sure that we're taken care of. Make sure that we're taken care of. Meantime, you and I get screwed. I haven't talked a lot about the Republican bill offered by the leadership of the Republican Party because it's... Crap. It's it's less stinky crap than than Obamacare, but it's still crap. 
Obamacare magically somehow when you're instituting an entitlement everything just falls into place it's like it's like magic everybody falls into everybody falls into line they can pass whatever the hell they want and not pass impose whatever the hell they want and you just got to sit down and take it when they're trying to be rid of a cancerous entitlement that is bad for the United States of America all of a sudden well there are things to consider and uh uh, reconciliation and uh, you're taking away health care. Well, no, no, not really. Part of the Obamacare debacle was the expansion of Medicaid, which put tons of people who didn't belong on Medicaid on Medicaid. And then when the new administration comes in and tries to behave responsibly, then all of a sudden, oh, well, uh, you're taking uh, health care away. Well, those people shouldn't have been on it to begin with. We detailed this on Monday with uh, Senator Barrasso aptly pointing out that Medicaid was not meant to cover millions upon millions of Americans. It was very targeted for individuals who were women, pregnant women, underprivileged kids, the the disabled, not able-bodied men, but Barack Obama, Lama McClure, we're going to put a whole bunch of people on Medicaid because that's the right thing to do. Let me be clear. So that's where we find ourselves. And he knew the politics. He knew that as soon as he put a whole bunch of eligible people on the Medicaid, uh, uh, I'm sorry, not eligible, ineligible people on Medicaid and magically made them eligible, that to, to get back to a more fiscally sustainable Medicaid, that it would be bad politics for the Republicans. You're taking people off of Medicaid. And of course, uh, no reporter out there has either the brain cells or the political persuasion to ask the tough question. Well, wait a minute, Senator Durbin or Senator uh, uh, Reed, not the old Senator Reed, but the other Democrat or Senator Schumer. How many of those millions of Americans on Medicaid right now should be there? How many of them are able-bodied? How many of them go beyond the original scope of poor, disabled women, children, or or disabled folks? No Democrat ever has to answer that because it's just, it's too inconvenient a soundbite, you know? (laughs) Republicans, people are going to die! People are going to die! There There are Democrats out there. Hold on. Uh, who is this? This is uh, Pelosi and uh, who is it? Al Franken? We do know that the uh, many more people, millions, hundreds of thousands of people will die if this bill passes. What? Wait a minute. If this bill passes. So, so wait a minute. Obamacare prevents people from dying. Who knew that? Did you all know that? Having socialized medicine prevents people from dying. One to two thousand people will die. If you cut 750,000 people from from Medicaid. So that means you're killing one to two thousand, killing them. Yeah, he was on MSNBS. Excuse me, Senator Franken. uh, How many of those people are able-bodied individuals? How many? Shouldn't Medicaid be reserved for what it was set up to provide for uh, disabled Vulnerable women and vulnerable children. Shouldn't that be the limit? Why, why would you accept, Senator Frank, and this expansion to people who are not eligible, who shouldn't be eligible on this program? Why would you accept that, Senator Stuart Smalley? No. Those tough questions don't get asked. 
Because we're all in love with socialism in the basket of biased press. What does this mean for you? Well, this means you get screwed. And there's only one way out of not being screwed anymore is to unelect these individuals who are screwing you. That's, that, that is the way out. Get involved, damn it. It's not enough for me to sit here on the radio and tell you about this stuff. What you do with it is germane to the conversation. Now look, got Mitch McConnell and a whole bunch. You know what? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go to break earlier than I normally do so I can come back. We will do the flip around because everybody's focused on this right now. All the cable networks, they're focused on now, now, now they're switching to the White House press briefing. Um, communities hit by high premiums, says Sarah Huckabee. Well, hold on a second. Since she's on, uh, it's not Sean Spicer today. He was up on the Hill, apparently. So he couldn't make it to the press briefing. So let me just dip in right now to what's going on uh, with Sarah Huckabee Sanders. And let's see, I get, yeah, every single one of the cable folks are on her right now. So let me just, where should I go? Uh, Fox Business. Why isn't their response good enough for the president? Uh, I, I don't know that it's that the response isn't good enough for the pro- president. Uh, I think it's the constant barrage of fake news directed at this president, probably, that uh, has garnered a lot of his frustration. Um, you point to that report. Uh, there are multiple other instances where uh, that outlet that you referenced has been repeatedly wrong and had to point that out or be corrected. Uh, there's a video circulating now, whether it's accurate or not. Uh, I don't know, but I would encourage everybody in this room and, frankly, everybody across the country to take a look at it. Uh, I think if it is accurate, I think it's a disgrace to all of media, to all of journalism. I think that we have gone to a place... Folks, she's talking about CNN. She's talking about a Project Veritas video. They got a CNN producer to admit that the entire CNN uh, Russian obsession is total BS. Got to admit it on camera, hidden camera. And if that's coming directly... Oh, by the way, CNN, that's real journalism. Scary, uh, and certainly more disgraceful. And I hope that that's not the direction we're headed. I hope that uh, outlets that have continued to use either unnamed sources, sometimes stories with no sources at all. Uh, we've been going on this Russia-Trump hoax for the better part of a year now with no evidence of anything. Uh, things like the success at the VA barely get covered. They may get covered for an hour at a time, but this story gets covered day in, day out. And I think America is frankly looking for something better. They're looking for something more. Uh, and I think they deserve something better from our news media. Does the president actually expect, does I'm the sorry? President actually expect us not to report on stories of a foreign country trying to influence the presidential election? Uh, I, I don't think it's that it's expected that you're not to report on, um, again, actually. Did you report on it back during when they were trying to influence it during the Reagan era? Did you report on it during the Bush era? Did you report on it during the Obama era? This is nothing new, you moron. This is nothing new. Back in a minute. It's Chris Salcedo Show here on The Blaze. Keep up with The Chris Salcedo Show on Facebook and on Twitter at Chris Salcedo TX. Just another way to stay in touch with Chris on the Blaze Radio Network.
This is the Chris Salcedo Show, only on the Blaze Radio Network. Let's uh, let's continue the flip around. We don't normally do it for two segments unless it's really good. And this, of course, happened right when we went to break. Listen to this. I think it's that it's expected that you're not to report on, um, again, actual news if there's something there. But again, I, I think that there are a lot of things happening in this world that, frankly, a lot of people would like to hear about, whether it's job growth, whether it's deregulation, whether it's tax reform, health care. I think a lot of those things deserve a lot more coverage than they get. And it's real news. And it's verifiable. And it's not been proven time and time and time again to be baseless. But there's been a narrative for nearly a year now based on a, on a narrative that is completely unsubstantiated. Unsubstantiated. No facts. As a matter of fact, the only thing we know about alleged Russia-Trump collusion is that there is no evidence of collusion for a year now. That's all we know. And they're going to keep on driving, maybe for the next three years, and the answer will still be, we have no evidence of collusion. And they're paying with ratings, ladies and gentlemen. And they are paying with public opinion, as now this is all turning. We gave you the... uh, the poll yesterday of how Americans believe this whole witch hunt about Trump, Russia, Russia, Trump is harming America. 73% believe the Congress and the media are, are not tuned into the needs of the American people, but their own political agenda. That this whole Russia, Trump thing, they're obsessed with it and ignoring what needs to happen for the for the people. Uh, Trump's out there tweeting today. Wow, CNN had to retract big story on Russia. We told you guys about this yesterday. With three employees forced to resign, I say allowed to resign. What about all of the phony stories, all the other phony stories they do? Fake news. And he tweets out a picture of CNN's new logo called FNN, Fake News Network. And we we put this up on the Chris Salcedo Show Facebook page too. Uh, because it's it's now, I think, a legitimate question sh- about changing CNN's name. Should we call them Fake News Network or BS News Network, BSNN? Because as we told you, there's a video out there, Project Veritas, one of their producers at CNN says it's complete and utter BS. Complete and utter BS, this whole Trump-Russia thing. And it's, Je- and it's Zucker, the head of CNN, who is driving this for ratings. So I wrote, tough to decide. Should at CNN name be changed to FNN or BSNN? CNN producer calls Trump-Russia story mostly BS. Says CEO encouraged Russia, Russia coverage. With no facts. To destroy Trump. Uh, Trump went on to uh, to tweet. Uh, hold on, where'd it go? I just saw it here a second ago. Hold on, hold on. I have to scroll down the official real at real Donald Trump. Oh uh, yeah, fake news. CNN is looking at big management changes now that they got caught falsely pushing their phony Russian stories. Ratings are way down. And then the president went, you know, one step too far. You, you should, he should just stay targeted on CNN. They're the leader of the basket of bias. So they, they caught fake news CNN cold. 
But what about NBC, CBS, ABC? What about the failing New York Times and the Washington Post? They are all fake news. (laughs) Learn to quit while you're ahead, Mr. President. Learn to quit while you're ahead. If you had successfully made CNN pay for their slanted, biased coverage, the others would have returned back to more responsible reporting. Stay, stay focused. Anyway, uh, back to uh, Sarah Huckabee Sanders. Where'd I go? There, there it is. There's the player. Hold on a second. Let me make sure I get this right where we left off. And all we're saying is, you know, I think that we should take a really good look at what we are focused on, what we are covering, and making sure that it's actually accurate and it's honest. If we make the slightest mistake, the slightest word is off, it is uh, just an absolute tirade from a lot of people in this room. She's letting them have it. And CNN, because of their faulty reporting, their irresponsible reporting, their non-factually based reporting, their agenda-driven reporting, their left-wing biased reporting, gave Sarah Huckabee Sanders the opening to lambast all of those people who had undertaken this type of thing. But news outlets get to go on day after day and cite unnamed sources, use uh, stories without sources, have, uh, you know, you mentioned the Scaramucci story where they had to have reporters resign. Come on, you're inflaming everybody right here, right now. With Oh, she's inflaming? Here's some, here's some out of control reporter. You're inflaming everybody. Yeah, by calling out you and your irresponsible reporting, she's inflaming? I don't know. Uh, this, this is a male reporter. Uh, that, that could be taken as sexist using your stupid standards over there among the basket of biased press. Horses have, uh, you know, you mentioned the Scaramucci story where they had to have reporters resign. Come on. You're inflaming everybody right here, right now with those words. You, you, this administration has done that as well. Why in the name of heavens? Any one of us, right, are replaceable. And any one of us, if we don't get it right... The audience has the opportunity to turn the channel or not read us. Yeah, and the only reason why we know that is when you're called to the carpet, like Sarah Huckabee Sanders is doing right now, or like this show does right now. The only reason why we know that you're shoveling BS, sir, is because we call it out. And you say, oh, it's inflammatory. Screw you, you putz. I think I you think, have been elected to serve for four years at least. There's no option other than that. We're I here think, to ask you questions. Right. We're here to provide the answers. And what you just did is inflammatory to people all over the country who look at it and say, see, once again, the president's right and everybody else out here is fake media. And everybody in this room is only trying to do their job. No, no. You're not, well, yeah, they think their job is to destroy President Donald Trump instead of being journalists. They're not doing their job as journalists, sir. They're being Democrat Party operatives. I think you better go back to the manual and look at your job. 888-900-3393. The Chris Salcedo Show. On the Blaze Radio Network. You're listening to the Latino conservative Chris Salcedo on the Blaze Radio Network. 
we'll get back to uh, well, some of the breaking news here in a minute about uh, the Republicans putting off the vote on, uh, well, garbage. It was uh, a less smelly garbage than the Obamacare garbage, but they're putting it off anyway. Let's talk about something that came down that was positive yesterday. The Supreme Court uh, making their ruling on the temporary travel ban of the Trump administration. To that end, let's talk to John Malcolm. He is uh, vice president for the Institute for Constitutional Government, director of the Mies Center for Legal and Judicial Studies, and the Ed Gilbertson and Sherry Lindbergh Gilbertson Senior Legal Fellow, the Institute for Constitutional Government. John, welcome to the Chris Salcedo Show. Good to be with you, Chris. Just how big, uh, because you wrote about this in a piece entitled The Supreme Court Will Review Trump's Revised Travel Ban, and what's, that's good news for the president. How big was it for this, this nascent presidency, uh, uh, just starting out, and the biggest legal challenge, I would think, to the early days of the Trump, uh, uh, the Trump presidency? Yeah, look, I, I think it's pretty big. I mean, they haven't reached a decision on the merits. They will hear oral argument in the case in October. Uh, however, they largely lifted the injunctions that had been entered by the lower courts and the fact that they reached out so quickly without a split uh, of opinion among the circuit courts and said, we need to hear this case. It involves national security, it involves separation of powers. It's incredibly important. We need to hear this case. We need to hear it quickly. I think bodes extremely well for the president. Now, why don't you think, because the president could have asked for a July hearing because of the the nature of national security, why didn't he do it? Yeah, I'm not quite sure why he didn't ask for expedited review. However, he's going to end up getting, in the meantime, uh, almost everything that he wants. So the two lower courts that had considered the issue, the Fourth Circuit and the Ninth Circuit, had entered nationwide injunctions against enforcing any part of the president's revised executive order. The plaintiffs in Hawaii were some individuals who said, look, we have close family members who want to bring into the country. The, the state was saying the University of Hawaii has admitted some students from these six designated countries, and they can't come into the country. The Supreme Court said, we will allow the injunction to stay in place as to these plaintiffs and somebody who is similarly situated to them. So somebody who can come in and document that they have a close family connection, or they are an admitted student, or they have a signed contract with an American company. Maybe they will get to come in, but everybody else who does not have such a close connection to the United States, and that is the vast majority of people covered by that executive order, they will not be able to come in. The executive order will go into effect. We were just alluding to the fact that, that, that CNN has, has become a disgrace to what real journalism is supposed to be. I have to tell you, I got that impression from the Ninth and the Fourth Circuit rulings and all these judges that heard the travel ban because they didn't look at the text of the law. As a matter of fact, one of the plaintiffs had to admit that had any other person authored this this uh, temporary travel ban, it would have been constitutional. But what made it unconstitutional and what I what I consider to be betrayers of the judicial system, what made it unconstitutional was the fact that Trump was behind it. And, and to me, that's not the rule of law. That's politics getting into the bench. What's your take? Yeah, I think that's exactly correct. I, I haven't seen what CNN did. I'll have to look as soon as we get done here. But in terms of the analysis of the travel ban, I think that is right. So literally, the, the plaintiffs or, or the challengers were asked during oral argument, look, if Bill Clinton or Barack Obama had entered this exact order, would it be constitutional? And they said, yes. 
the reason why it's unconstitutional is based on tweets or some statements made by campaign surrogates so that we really know that this is a Muslim ban. It, it is a it is, is born by religious discrimination and animus against Muslims. Now, the Supreme Court, as far back as 1972, has said, look, when it comes to national security, the executive branches do substantial deference. They get daily classified intelligence briefings. Courts do not. And if on the face of an executive order, there is a facially legitimate bona fide reason for that order, that's as far as it goes. And the courts are not supposed to look behind the exercise of that discretion. They're not supposed to engage in a balancing test between, you know, about whether the rights of immigrants to enter the country, which they have precious few, uh, whether those should trump the president's decisions. When it comes to national security, substantial deferences do, and that is fully appropriate. And the lower courts, I think, really joined the resist movement and said, we don't care. We don't like this president. We think that he has a thing against Muslims. And mm-hmm. so we're going to ignore binding Supreme Court precedent. And I don't think that the Supreme Court will allow that to stand. Oh, there's a lot of that going around. John Malcolm is our guest right now, folks, vice president for the Institute for Constitutional Government and director of the Mies Center for Legal and Judicial Studies. Uh, Now, look, the, the, the temporary travel ban for these six majority Muslim countries, which do not constitute a Muslim ban because there are 43 other majority Muslim countries not affected. But it's only in place for 90 to 120 days while extreme vetting is implemented. Uh, when when the courts com- re- reconvenes in October, the Supreme Court, it's it's going to already have run its course, so it'll be a moot point. But I still think there needs to be a ruling to reaffirm that this is the president's call, no matter who the president is. If you are an elected president, this is your exclusive purview, and the courts should not have any say. Well, do you agree with me? This This should be ruled on one way or the other. Well, I think it should be, and I think it will be. So the court has added to the questions to be presented by the advocates whether or not the case is moot. I don't think it will be. So there is a 90-day temporary uh, suspension of of travel from those six countries subject to case-by-case waivers. There's also a 120-day suspension uh, of admittees under our refugee program. Uh, There's a cap at 50,000 refugees for 2017. Those have also been challenged, so those will extend well past the time the court hears oral argument. And the 90-day period is for the secretaries of Homeland uh, Security and State to do a review as to whether proper vetting is in place or can be put in place. It's entirely possible that that uh, uh, suspension will be extended, at least as to some of these countries. And of course, the injunction has uh, remained in place with respect to at least a small category of people who are subject to the order. So I don't think at the end of the day, the court will determine that the case is moot. And I think they will resolve it on the merits. Yeah, well, and that needs to happen because we, we cannot allow uh, certain biased elements, left-wing elements in this country to compromise the power of the presidency of the United States because they, they dislike Donald Trump. He is an Ed Gilbertson and Sherry Lindbergh Gilbertson Senior Legal Fellow of the Institute for Constitutional Government. John Malcolm, sir, I really appreciate your time and expertise here in the Chris Salcedo Show. It was a fascinating discussion. We'll get you back on. My pleasure. Thanks for having me on. 888 Had to touch base on that because I, th- I, th- I think it's, it's so vitally important, folks, that we get a ruling on this. This is the president's power and authority, and it should not have been usurped improperly for politics sake by agendized judges. Meantime, uh, the GOP is delaying the vote. The GOP is delaying the vote on, uh, on the Obamacare. You can't call it. You can't call it a repeal. Uh, tinkering, maybe. 
the Obamacare, get it out of the way, patch it up so we can get on a tax reform. Maybe you can call it that. But uh, the Republican <clears throat> leadership stepped out in front of the microphones just before we hit the air. And here's what they had to say. Consequently, we will not be on the bill this week, but we're still working toward getting uh, at least 50 people in a comfortable place. We're going down to the White House at 4 o'clock. The president invited us to come down. The White House has been very much involved in these discussions. They're very anxious to help, and we appreciate the invitation, and I hope all of our members will head down. I think that will likely uh, be the case. Well, the schedule may have changed a little bit, but one thing that hasn't changed, and that is Obamacare is collapsing. Well, that is true. Obamacare is collapsing. And as a matter of fact, the only thing that folks can find to say about Obamacare is that, well, pre-existing conditions and keeping your kids on until they're 26. One is very costly. And one is an insurance. Uh, pre-existing conditions, being denied for pre-existing conditions. Uh, I think that should go away, but you shouldn't be able to fix pricing. Meaning... You can't charge somebody because they have a pre-existing condition. Well, if somebody has a pre-existing condition, that makes them more of a risk. Doesn't it? It makes them more of a risk. The idea that, oh, well, you are afflicted with a problem. You want to have somebody assume the risk for your medical bills, but you don't want to pay for it. You want to have somebody else pay for it. That's, that's in essence what the Obamacare bill did. Is it raised the rates on everybody else? to accommodate those high-risk individuals. And it may sound like a, a really good kumbaya moment, but when push comes to shove, you are being forced by your federal government to subsidize people that you don't even know. Your hard work doesn't go exclusively for your family. It goes for other people's families. And it, your hard work is making it so Democrats can get elected. That's, that's the long and short of it. Because Democrats are promising your money that you make through your honest effort to other people. Thus, they're getting elected. Now, there are ways to defer, and I think Paul Ryan has touched base on this. There are ways to defer costs and separate those who are in high-risk pools away from the general population. So the general population, the vast majority of Americans aren't impacted. Instead, these individuals go into pools that are full of high-risk folks. And then we as a society try to offset some of those costs. It'd be a much less expensive way of going. Um, it's still expensive, though. And it doesn't change people's behaviors. So, trust me, if you're accountable for yourself, you're going to change your behavior. And a lot of behaviors have to change in our medical system. We've got to get to prevention instead of, you know, going hard all of our lives, not taking care of ourselves, and at the end of our lives expecting somebody else to foot the bill for very expensive health care. Got, we've got to change that mentality now. Now, there are some folks we've made a deal with who are the older generation who that deal has to be kept, but we've got to start making this transition. And legislation like Obamacare doesn't do that. Legislation like Obamacare basically solidifies bankruptcy. It is a failed system that needs to be replaced, and uh, we believe that the legislation that we're 
uh, trying to get up on the Senate floor and consider there uh, will take America in a better direction. It will help bring stability to the marketplace, that will bring affordability to people across this country who are suffering under the curse of high premiums and high deductibles and high out-of-pocket costs. Everything is high. High, high, high. You know what? I just got, I, I, I got to build, I had a procedure done, an MRI, and paid 500 bucks, 500 bucks out of my medical savings account. By the way, during the Obama administration, my medical savings account was penalized. Because Obama didn't want me saving money for myself, he because that that take that separates me from the government control. You see, the whole idea was to get me under government control, and have the likes of Obama. Let me be clear: you vote the way you're sp- you, uh, that I want you to, or uh, we may have to do something about that health care. Let me be clear: that's what he wanted. That's what his ilk want: control, and that's why he penalized. People like me who, who wanted to get into health plans that allow me or work plans that allow me to set up a health savings account. But thankfully, I'm still able to do that even with some of the penalties that are involved, not to the greatest extent that I'd like to, but I'm hoping that that gets expanded for whatever patchwork the Republicans do. But anyway, uh, still had a, high, a higher deductible to pay on my insurance plan. And then... Uh, then, then my copay kicked in, so had to pay a good chunk of money to finish out my deductible, and then voila, twenty percent I had to come up with. But these are the reality; these are the reality costs that we have to start facing as a as a society. And the reason why I was able to get most of my procedure taken care of is because I pay into it, and thankfully I have a great employer who also pays uh, top dollar to an insurance company that allows that type of thing to, to be defrayed in a, in a group-type policy. Uh, all right, I'm, I am way long. Back in a minute, the Chris Salcedo Show right here on The Blitz. It's your radio republic. Be heard. 888-900-3393. This is the Chris Salcedo Show, part of Generation Blaze. On the Blaze Radio Network. Conservative Talk Radio with Spice. We continue to have positive and productive conversations. I believe we can get to yes. I believe we will get to to yes. It's going to take more discussions. And the most critical question is how do we lower premiums? That's been my central focus from the beginning. You know, for five months there has been a working group in the Senate uh, working to bring Republicans together and, and unite behind the best approach to repealing Obamacare. Now, I believe Senator Ted Cruz when he believes what his singular focus is. Might I suggest to Ted Cruz that the government has very little to do with bringing down premiums? You want to bring down premiums? The answer isn't to have the taxpayers subsidize crony capitalists like the traitorous insurance companies. Kick their butts off of government dependence and let them compete in an open marketplace government's role is to create a fair marketplace for them to compete take down the state lines allow them to actually 
produce a better product. Right now, they're fat and they're happy and they're lazy because they don't have to do much work for a living. Now, granted, the insurance companies are imposed upon mightily by bureaucrat nonsense inside of the federal government. You start lifting some of those and you're going to see magic happen. It's called the free market. You're going to see availability increase because there's a demand for the product. You're going to see costs go down because there are insurance companies that say, you know what, I can do it better. I'm Anthem. I can do it better than Blue Cross. And Blue Cross say, well, I can do it better than, than Anthem. It's what we call competition. And it works. Might I say to Senator Cruz, for God's sake, let's try it. 888-900-3393. The Chris Salcedo Show. On the Blaze Radio Network.